this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, uh, what is up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. As we do every Thursday, let's figure out what DJ hasn't turned on yet. Yeah, okay, is everybody's favorite show? <laughs> I don't know why I can't seem to wrap my head around my new setup. I think it's, I think it's just because I've done it the old way. This so much, and I don't want to sound like that guy. Like, oh my way, back in the day, we, like I'm not that. Like, I'm literally going from putting in no effort to this show to putting in some effort into this show. And uh, as anyone will tell you, as you go from zero to one is the hardest step, yeah, as opposed to going from one to uh, one to three. Yeah, <clears throat> I think everything's recording. I um. Uh, yeah. So, unfortunately, and I don't mean to start with unfortunately, but unfortunately, <clears throat> I have a, have a bit of announcement to read. But, well, I just screw with your heads with that one for a minute. Let's get on to uh, regular business, shall we? All right. <laughs> uh, you are watching uh, the top 20, if you're watching, if you're listening. You're listening to the Hard Rock Lunchbox. They are one and the same. They're just uh, only slightly different, you know. Kind of like race. Right? <laughs> I suppose we could talk about that a little later. Uh, the brand new top 20 is out. Um, it's where I talk a little bit about uh, bio-individuality and stuff like that. Um, and my uh, very much fun time whenever I have gotten fast food from, like, Wendy's late at night. My experience with their big, meaty buns. Um, a positive message, blah, 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 blah. And uh, we talked a lot about The Breakfast Club and how totally on point that movie was and all that other stuff but it's out now i would appreciate it if you give it a look i'll try and share it later today or maybe over the weekend and uh looks and likes and subscribes are always appreciated so thank you for that also on strangerhood tv you can check out the full interview of uh, rob jacobs i'm bacon is my podcast also i guess we're heading into april now so bacon is my podcast is dumping two bacons a week uh they've got lauren from uh beard all po- beard Al podcast and uh, Haley Michelle, who I don't know who she is, she's the paranormal princess. Uh, check that out. I will give that a look um, probably over the weekend after things settle down from my show. Speaking of which, my show is tomorrow night, uh, April 1st. I know, April Fool's Day. It's bananas. <clears throat> I assure you it is quite real. I was actually kind of in a bit of a slump for ticket sales on that. I appreciate everyone that stepped up and bought them over the past couple of days. Uh, I didn't know what to quite make of it. Uh, I've never played at Stereo Garden. I never even played there when it was the Emporium. Uh, so I just didn't know if the venue itself had you know, some of that Long Island stink on it, which I know it did as the Emporium, but I wasn't sure what was what. So, um, But it looks like more and more people are going, and that's great. I know it's hard for my, my guys to to draw people out that far. It's like a 45-minute to an hour-long trip from Long Beach to to Patchogue. So it's a good grab. I mean, I'm glad they were able to get some, and 
looks like we're going to have a good show. Looks like we might even sell out of tickets, which would be uh, awesome. Something I, I figured we would do, but it just didn't look like it was happening. But that's tomorrow night at uh, Stereo Garden in Patchogue on Long Island, and we'll be playing with uh, Pathmaker, uh, Carver Path, Stonehenge, Magus Beast, and of course Osmosis New York, which is like apparently the preeminent uh, Ozzy Osbourne a tribute band uh, in, in New York. I, I don't honestly know where those rankings come from. I'm just telling you what they told me. So uh, I know I'm looking forward to singing along with a little Ozzy and just belting out some crazy train or whatever. So I think that's going to be fun. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I think last week, it does look like it's going to be the last local show uh, for Rebel 9 for a little while. Um, and that doesn't mean we have plans to do others. I mean, we have something for Queens, uh, kind of on the calendar in the summer. We just don't. We have other stuff that we're going to be working on, uh, and we do have a, a kind of like special thing that we're going to be building. So stay tuned for that. As soon as I have some official dates and stuff, I will absolutely tell you guys first. Uh, because honestly, I'm going to need a whole lot of your help, and that is going to be a whole show in and of itself. Just like me talking about the way things are working with the band these days and why we're doing what we're doing and all that other stuff. Uh, before I read my announcement, though, about the show tomorrow night, and it's important, um, I, I do want to point out something else. Uh, I did not optimize this show. Like, we know that. I have this new Logitech camera. I refuse, I refuse to optimize because you don't own me, Logitech. That's what it is. I don't know if that's the same tack that, like, anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers take, but, like, you can't tell me what to put in my body. Well, you can't tell me what to put in my laptop either. Also, I, I'm not going to reverse engineer a four-year-old laptop to put a USB 3 in there. That just seems ridiculous. However, as I was just completely screwing around looking for a button the other uh, this morning, uh, the other day, <laughs> it feels like a whole other day, I found this. So Logitech, the software, and you can't see this. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Um, Logitech software has, I should have brought a mirror, has something called auto framing. And I didn't know what it was, so I turned it on and I tried it out. Now, this is going to be something for the top 20 for next week, or if you're watching it for currently. Uh, but it, I'm, I'm just as curious. I'm very curious, so I'm going to try it out. Basically what it does, when you turn on auto-framing like I just did, it pushes in and zooms in on me, which I believe the whole world could do without. But it does that so it can maintain the entire field of view, so it can do stuff like track me if I move, like over here. So if I move over there, it's going to track and zoom. And if I move back over here really quick, oh, I'm over here now. And I could go up and I could go down and it just follows me around, which I think would probably be the most distracting and annoying thing I could do as a host, which kind of makes it appealing. Got to kind of admit, but uh, I am trying not to be an annoying. I am, I am trying to not be an annoying radio host. It just comes naturally, so I don't need any help, honestly. So I'm going to turn that shit off, and we're going to go back to normal because that's the way we do it here, old school. I do actually hope that worked because <laughs> that would be kind of funny to see. All right, on to some business. I do have a statement I must read, and this affects... Um, this affects the show over the weekend, all right? So please, if you're planning on going to the show this weekend, I want you to pay close attention. <sighs> this Saturday, my family and I are going to stand together to cheer on the Tar Heels as the team has made it to the Final Four. As a lifelong Carolina basketball fan, I've watched Carolina and Duke battle over the year, but to have them match up in the Final Four... Uh, 
Blah, 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 blah. I appreciate it. To give up your Saturday night plans with us so that I can have this moment with my family and sports community. Of course, I'm kidding. I'm literally making fun of somebody else because that is what we do here on the show. Yeah. Eric Church, who I didn't think was a douche until now, is apparently a huge douche. He has canceled his uh, Saturday night show so that he can watch uh, North Carolina and Duke play in a basketball game. Yeah. I agree. It's a very important basketball game. Uh, It is the finals of March Madness. It's a big deal. Um, would I cancel a sellout show so that I could go watch a basketball game? Nope. I am somebody that believes in the fans that have put me where they have put me, and no matter how much hard work I put in, the reality is it doesn't matter. If it weren't for the fans, I would not be there. This dude is canceling a sold-out show that's been sold out for months He's canceling it last minute so that he can watch he can watch a college basketball game because it means more to him to do what he wants to do than it means uh, to do what's right by the fans. Now, this is the same dude that did not cancel shows when his entire band had COVID, by the way. But basketball? Absolutely. Now, I could be biased and am. First of all, I don't like rednecks, but that's just me. Uh, and and I, I'm also not a big sports fan. I am not an end-all, be-all sports fan. I have said for years that I don't understand why people invest so much of their internal energy in sports. I mean, other than just the escapism of something and to feel like you belong to something. But, like, if you're going to do that, why not just do drugs like all the cool people? Like, you could just... And I'm not advocating drugs, so please don't take that out of context. But I'm also not advocating sports. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, I've always thought that a dude that's wearing another dude's name on the back of his shirt, I think it's his girlfriend. I thought that's how that worked. I I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought, maybe not, but I thought that that's how that worked. I just, I find it funny that people take so much of their own energy and put it in to sports teams, right? Multi-million dollar athletes uh, playing sports. They would much rather turn their attention to something like the, the, the Final Four or March Madness in general than, say, like a real contest going on in Russia and Ukraine. Like, that's, you know what? That's a way better sport. If you want to, if you, if you want to know it all, like that, that is the sport to watch because people were all big about Jersey City's St. Peter's, Paul's, can't remember, um, whatever that Cinderella team was from Jersey City. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, at the start of this war, so uh, Russia, Russia was seated like number three in the world. Ukraine, I don't even think was ranked and. Here they are in the finals, you know what I'm saying? I'm just not trying to be a dick about it. I'm just saying, like, there's actual real contests I would be much more interested in. And I've never understood the, the absolute fascination with sports that people seem to have. And that's okay. Like, I don't need to, and that's not what this conversation is about. If that's your thing, do your thing. I, I love soccer. I love coaching the girls and stuff like that. But to be perfectly honest, I'm missing Hurricanes practice tomorrow night just so I can go do this show. And I am no Eric Church. And this sucker did not sell out. And it's funny, actually. I read just one of the comments. I, seriously, in this day and age where people are just so ballsy on their keyboards, like it's kind of interesting to, to read. 
uh, comments these days. I told you, like, the funniest thing in the News 12 Instagram feed is just the comments of the dumbest, dumbest people on Long Island commenting dumb, dumb shit. Um, but, yeah, this is... Um, Here's one of the comments. Quote, $800 airfare for two from Miami to Austin. $950 car rental. I got to see that car. Uh, $500 a night hotel on the river in San Antonio. $2,000 for two front row tickets. Second time. All for naught. By the way, good luck. I mean, good good job on an Eric Church fan using naught and using it correctly. A third Twitter user wrote... Quote, I hope North Carolina wins for your sake. I'm beyond disappointed. Damn, bro. Other users appreciated Church's candidness with one person tweeting, Kudos to Eric Church for being upfront about canceling the show to watch his heels in the Final Four. Could have easily come up with a bullshit excuse. I have news for you. It is a bullshit excuse. Like, it's, it's a real one, but it's still a bullshit excuse. And I, I could do you one better because my I thought about this and I was like, this is bananas. This is completely ridiculous. Like, yeah. Tell, tell Eric Church he owes $460 for my hotel in San Antonio. <laughs> Eric Church didn't cancel when his whole band had COVID, but did for a basketball game. Yeah, man, this is bullshit. Pissing off your fans. I hope they never go see you again. I truly do. And honestly, like, I was giving it some thought, and I was wondering, like, what I would do in that situation. Like, let's say the only way I could possibly put this into any sort of, like, perspective in my life, something that's that important to me, would be, like, if my Hurricanes all of a sudden made, like, the World Cup, right? And their game was going to be, like, Friday night, and I was playing a sold-out show in Madison Square Garden. Now... I realize that every single thing I just said is a huge reach, and that's cool. I get it. But let's just suspend disbelief for a minute, right? Sold-out show at Madison Square Garden. My Hurricanes somehow made it to the World Cup. I mean, they barely beat Plainview Old Beth Page last week, but, again, disbelief, suspension. Say they're doing that, and the game is going to be on right during my show. I guess they're playing in Asia somewhere. The worst... The absolute worst that would happen is that I would take the stage with my band and play the show. However, I reserve the right to have those big jumbotrons. I'd probably have the game on. Yep, I could have the game on. Still do the show. And I will say, anytime there's a corner kick or a PK, we're stopping whatever song we're in the middle of and we can all watch it together. And I think that that would be a much more enjoyable experience. Dude, if he did one song and then stopped to check in on the game and watch some of the replays and stuff, love that. You could do an entire concert in the in the commercials, I'm sure. You have to watch the whole thing. Put it on your little monitor up front. How many people would come see us at Madison Square Garden while I'm playing the World Cup on the Jumbotron? And I'll just stop to comment every now and then. I'm going to give you a full show. You're not wasting any of your time. If I have to play late, I'll play late. I'm doing the set. I'm doing the set. Because at my low-level station, uh, right now with my band, where I am as a B-minus national, I care more about my fans than Eric Church does. Just saying. I also don't want to be that guy and point out the fact that um, we knew the date of this game. We knew the date of this game forever ago, right? It's not like they just like, oh, crap, we need a stadium and a date. We knew the date. We knew it was the second. We knew the finals was going to be the second of April. If you're such a big Tar Heels fan, maybe you should have bet on them and taken the night off. But you didn't, did you? 
Dickus. Eric Church, dickhead of the week. All right. Oh, man. So, I realize I'm running out of time for the top 20, and that kind of happens, but we should probably take a minute and just talk about uh, what happened at the Oscars, seeing as everybody else uh, has been talking about what happened at the Oscars. I... I thought I thought <laughs> I was on I was on some solid ground thinking that Will Smith was 105% in the wrong. Uh, my stance since the time I was yo big has been like you don't meet words with violence. I definitely struggled with a lot of that when I was learning it uh, in, in like elementary school. I used to get into fights all the time. I used to get into fights all the time mainly because I would lip off because I was a wise ass. I was also a pretty not disturbed, but troubled kid. I had a bunch of stuff going on in my family for a lot of years, and I took that kind of stuff out. And people, uh, I was also a bigger kid, so I was a target, um, and I would fight often uh, because of stuff I would say. And I just believe that I don't think I'll ever. I hope I'll never uh, meet. Uh, words with violence again because I think it's completely the wrong thing to do. I think people saying what they want and being able to express themselves is important. I think the only time I would put up uh, an exception for that is if somebody's words are I'm coming over there to kick your ass and I feel like that is about as physical as words can get. So I think that that might deserve a response or at least a defensive posture. You know, plus so many people are talking about, like, what's funny and what's not funny. And I don't think it really matters, you know. He didn't, like, Chris Rock didn't say to Jada, like, anything, like, insulting to her. And he wasn't like, you're a B, you're a C, you're a D, E, F, G, L, M, N, O, P. He didn't say any of those things. He was actually just saying a joke, basically, because that's what he was getting paid to do. Uh, I could even make a bigger argument if he was really threatening to the woman or really, really insulting to the woman, like Luke said, like, you know, dropping, like, the BC or D-bombs or whatever. Not that he's a bomb, but, you know, he didn't. He didn't go into any of the stuff that I didn't even know about Jada Pinkett Smith until the world decided to share it all with me over the, over the week. He didn't do any of that. He made an offhanded joke, better, better hair. And people took great offense to that, you know. You can take offense all you want. Like, you really can. Like, this whole world and this whole society is, if if the past five years have taught me anything, it's that people can and will take offense to absolutely anything they want. And this is not a left problem. This is not a right problem. I mean, these are people that, like, you know, I mean, the the whole half a decade has really been like, well, you don't like what I say. Well, you're a snowflake. Like, really? First of all, you're name calling just because somebody doesn't disagree with, somebody doesn't agree with you, which is which is bananas. I mean, like, so much stuff that people do is just based on the stuff that we've been witnessing over the past couple of years. And I will say that I am beyond shocked at how many people actually came to Will Smith's defense, like people that I know, including my own sister. I mean, she, she, was, she was pretty vocal or adamant about the fact that, you know, she thought Chris Rock and Will Smith were both wrong. And I don't think Chris Rock was wrong at all. I think he's a comedian. He was paid to do his job. Like, whether or not you like the joke, that's kind of on you. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know anything about Jada Pinkett Smith. The only thing I really know about her is that she's married to Will Smith and she ruined the second Matrix movie. But that's my opinion. Like, that's probably the joke I would have gone with. 
I thought it was funny, and I actually defended it to to my sister, saying that, yo, he he called up a a, a movie, an Oscar reference to an A list actor, apparently, or at least world famous uh, act, actress in in. Um, and Jada Pinkett Smith, and he made a joke about a movie that was so awful that the only thing anybody remembers about it is that Demi Moore, another A-list actress or actor, shaved her head for it, right? That's the only thing anybody can tell you about G.I. Jane, because it was that bad of a movie. So I thought it was timely, I thought it was topical, and I actually thought it was funny. Whether or not it's hurtful or insulting, I guess that's for everybody to decide for themselves. I mean, I I don't know what to tell you, man. I've been... I, I've had jokes made at my expense my entire life. Like, my, my name, my weight, like, you know, whatever. Whatever whatever anybody's wanted to do. Like, it just, it sucks and I don't like it, but, like, is it something that I'm going to meet with violence? No, of course not. You know, aside from the fact that half the people that are just like, yeah, you absolutely have to bitch slap somebody that insults your wife. Half the people that are saying that I know are shit husbands and <laughs> since say shit stuff about their wife all the time. All the, their wives all the time. I mean, it's just the society we live in. Like, you can't degrade women and then defend them. Like, I mean, obviously you can, but like, you know, I'm not going to take anything you have to offer seriously if that's you're, you're going to be your big stance on things. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just kind of bananas. It's, it's kind of ridiculous that anybody would actually think that that was okay. I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I, and I don't know who in my listening audience thinks that it was okay to do that. That thinks that defending your woman is something you need to do. I mean, like, yeah, man, just leave. Like, don't be there, walk out, whatever. And yeah, you can be there, but like, you need to understand, like, if you're going to a comedy show and you're going to be sitting like kind of presently up front, like, yeah, the comics, that's kind of their job. They do audience work. They do crowd work. The best comics in the world. And, you know, anybody that's telling me that they don't think the joke is funny, I'd like to remind them that Chris Rock is one of the most accomplished accomplished comedians of my lifetime. He is probably one of the funniest people on the planet. So I am going to defer to him when it comes to comedy and not some douchebag on Facebook that tells me I don't think the joke was funny. Because, honestly, nobody gives a shit what you think is funny. Because Chris Rock is a professional comedian, and you're just some keyboard warrior spouting out your opinions on an old, dated social media platform. So I'm going to listen to Chris. Plus, I want to point out one final thing about this. Apparently, this was a whole big public thing that people knew about. Jada Pinkett Smith with her alopecia and her infidelity and all that other stuff. Sounds to me like kind of a target, right? She went out out in the world and told everybody her problems and spilled her entire purse over like Ali Sheedy did in The Breakfast Club. And people are going to talk about it. And I would like to point out the very, very simple fact that when you know you've done something like that and you've put a target on your behavior or your persona as a public entity, if she wanted to keep it private, she could have kept her mouth shut. She didn't. She put it out there. It's a public thing. It's it's it's. And she's a public, she's a public figure, right? That's how we define them. And so, all that information was out. She was going to be sitting in line of sight with a very very talented and and, and topical comedian. And knew all that going in, and it was more important for Will Smith to be there in case he won his award than it was to not be there and protect his wife from that scrutiny. And that is something that's completely getting lost. Because if you really cared about your wife and keeping her kind of safe like that, 
you would never have put her in that position in the first place. That's why, Mr. Smith, you are a piece of shit, and I hope you get punished for it. I hope you get punished severely. I hope you're kicked out of the, the, the academy. I hope they take your Oscar away, and I hope you're ashamed of yourself because you're an asshole. Speaking of assholes, I have a lot more to say later on in the show, but for right now, let's have something good. Not the worst segue. Not the best. Hope nobody slaps me. Hard Rock Lunch Box.
Yeah, I know I play a lot of things on this show, and I usually have a reason, and I just scrolled by this, and I just felt like hearing it, and that's the best reason we're going to get today. So thanks for bearing with me. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful song, beautifully executed and beautifully written. <laughs> just got a message in from my buddy Mike, still laughing about, like, uh, he's... He, he was just talking about the Will Smith thing, and he was just talking about how some people can be such assholes when they just, like, interact with me on social media ever, and just kind of how much I just don't suffer, like, fools like that. And we're just talking about the one dude who was like, we don't do that shit in Philly, but the dude's name is Jersey Stew. And it's like, just, just pick one shit place, Philly or Jersey, and just call it your own. But, man, don't, don't take both. That's not fair. Yeah, like I said, we've got this big show coming tomorrow night. Like, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, we were going to, we we are, we are actually playing a cover uh, tomorrow night because it's fun to do. Uh, my drummer is actually very, very opposed to the cover we decided to go with uh, because apparently, quote, we've played it so many times, but the reality is we've played it exactly two times live, so we're going to play it one more time live tomorrow night but uh i will tell you on the very short list of songs we were going to bring uh onto the stage was uh was this hard rock lunch box so as we've been saying here on the box uh, our very own crash transit has finally released uh ep lp 
I think it's an LP, actually. Um, light speed. Light speed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I'm super happy. I'm super happy because, like, Phil's super talented and the band's super talented anyway, but, like, my buddy Jimmy's in the band. Like, it's, I'm happy for him that he's got, he's got like a really good record out. I mean, not Craving Strange always puts out really good records, but like to have another really good record out. Like I had said uh, when I was playing New Order Day, like one of the great things about that song, it's like everybody in that band is a talent. And everybody in that ta- band, at least from my perspective, is firing on at least five out of six cylinders. So like... That's really great. Like, and you put out quality material when you have people that are dedicated to doing it, are dedicated to doing it correctly, and have that ability. Like, it's really good. So I'm really excited that they have um, that they have this record out. And I got to tell you, I've listened to it. I've listened to the whole thing. I don't think there's a bad one on there. There's there's faster and slower. Like we can agree on that and stuff like that. And I've got my favorites and stuff like that. But as I go more and more through the record, I still think New Water Day is my favorite. But I'm not actually even sure because I had to pull a new one for today because I was like, oh, this one's starting to grow on me, so I want to give it a spin. Uh, but also, and probably more importantly right now, it looks like they're going to do some sort of live CD release show. I, I can't quite tell. I saw the flyer briefly this morning, uh, but it looks like it's going to be next Wednesday at KJ Farrell's uh, early, so it looks like they're going to open for Wondrous Stories, and if it's that's the case, like even I might be able to make something like that. I know, I know. Don't put any money down on that statement, but it's, it's possible. I did see, like I said, the, the, the flyer briefly, and I didn't actually see any typos in it, but it doesn't mean and they're not there. It's Crash Transit on the box. Never built the fable 
Happy 400th episode, Mr. DJ Perlman. It is your favorite annoyance, G. Um, I realize that I did the bumper wrong, but that's fine. So long as you enjoy it, that's what matters. Um, I just want to come on here and say happy 4th. 400. Oh, fuck it. We're going to go with it. You know what I mean? This box, this show is amazing. You don't realize that you've changed a lot of people's lives with this show. And now having Team Uppity, we're never going to leave your life. Thanks for making a great show, dude. Love you. been a hot minute since I've played this band or this song on the box. I don't know why that is, but that shit ends now. Hard Rock Lunch Box.
if I opted to not bring up the great musical loss we've had this week. Of course, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters and Alanis Morissette's band for a very long time uh, was no longer with us at uh, an incredibly alarming age of 50 years old. I do not know, but I do not expect the Foo Fighters to actually continue on, which I think would be an incredible loss for music. But thank God we have what we have from them. And thank you, Taylor, for your service. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Oh, oh, oh. 
Saying we've got a big show tomorrow night at Stereo Garden, Long Island, in Patchog. We're playing uh, later in the evening. We're a direct support for Osmosis, New York, and and there are still a few tickets left. I think I think Tony and Noodles still have some tickets left. Kaz might have one. I think I have one. Uh, I might have two, but regardless, the band has some. And if you act now, not only can you get a good deal on a twofer of tickets, but uh, I'll throw in Pathmaker for free. Seems like a good deal.
Hard Rock Lunch Box. That song always brings a smile to my face. How can it not? <laughs> it's when you just like pile like com- like like compile like great song with ridiculous like it just how do you not <laughs> how do you not win that like i just i just love that song so um forgive me for being self-indulgent but i do that from time to time in fact i do that a lot because i have my own show now granted it's not the dj perlman show because that would be completely ridiculous and i'm not that big of an asshole although i do have aspirations so you know who knows what it'll be in the future um, but I do, um, I had, uh, my reminder popped up today. It is the 31st of March and my reminder popped up that my, uh, last full record with G Davy was Spartacle and was out 16 years ago today. And I almost threw up in my mouth from that because that is a hell of a long time. And I still remember recording that record. And I actually remember listening to some of it not that long ago. Uh, a song, the lead track of a Spartacle came up on my Spotify playlist that I have. And I just... I think what's funny about it is that it was such a long time ago. And I really was so not an accomplished songwriter yet. Spartacle was the first record that I would sing lead on. For starters, I mean, I was writing uh, most of the G-Davy music and writing most of the Sufferful music and all that other music before. But, you know, I definitely co-wrote from time to time. Um, but it was the first time I would sing lead on a record or a record that anybody would hear. <laughs> anybody would hear. And then, of course, we would go out and uh, play shows and even do some light touring on that record. So it's really where I cut my teeth on, on singing. But I do remember at the time thinking um not not that i was a great songwriter but thinking that i just had um i had a knack for writing the hooks that i wanted to hear and i think that's still true i think i think i have an absolute knack for writing hooks that i want to hear the problem is and where i where i actually kind of not argue so much but like i am on the other side of other songwriters in their opinion um, I find, and this if it sounds arrogant, I apologize, but I found in my later years that that is not that hard to do, <laughs> to write hooks and riffs and stuff like that and, and things like that that, that that sound good to you, that you want to hear. So if you heard those songs on the radio, you'd be like, this song's awesome. Uh, what has happened later on in my songwriting is I feel like I've been able to write hooks and riffs and stuff that other people want to hear and that is the big leap that is a huge jump but i recall when i was writing sparticle there was one or two songs on there that i was just so sure were in the pocket and i look can look back on those things now and hear exactly why i thought so because to me they're some of my favorite types of riffs and hooks and it's fun to listen back to see like Oh, yeah, I could see why people wouldn't necessarily like that or wouldn't like this or wouldn't like that. So I wasn't exactly hitting it out of the park for everybody, but I was certainly hitting it out of my park a couple of times. And and even though that doesn't really do much out in the world in general, it did much for me because I think it's a necessary place to start. you got to be able to write something that you think is just amazing and that you love and then worry about 
making it something that everybody loves. It's in there. Like we did Venn diagrams in school. It's in there. There's some there's there's some connection you can do. But man, I remember when I wrote this song, I was like, this is the one. At the time, it was the greatest guitar solo I had ever recorded. And I love these kinds of choruses, these just cascading and descending vocals. And it was just, you know, and even to be completely honest, I thought fairly poignant lyrics at the time. But time has told me that this song would not take off and be a major hit. And that is probably why nobody's coming to the G. Davy show tomorrow. But that's cool because I've got a whole new band and you can see that tomorrow. But if you want to step into the time machine with me, go back, I don't know. 16 goddamn years to when I thought I had a hit song. Let's do that right now.
lunch box. Okay, it's story time. Now, I'll try not to take up too much time with this, but I don't get often. I don't get time often to talk about these particular things because I just don't. There's always something else to talk about, something new. So, um, again, we're playing our show. It uh, looks like our last show for a little while uh, tomorrow night at uh, Stereo Garden uh, in Patchogue. We are direct support for what is called Osmosis, which is the Ozzy Osbourne tribute band, right? Little Ozzy, Little Black Sabbath, that kind of stuff. Ozzy is definitely an artist worthy of a tribute band for sh- for sure. Um, but and and I honestly don't know because I don't. It's been years, so I, I don't I don't know how often I talk about it. Um, but aside from Ozzy being a particular influence in my life, or I guess his band probably more than Ozzy himself. Um, one of the things that people may or may not know about me is that my very first major tour. Uh, was opening up for Ozzy. I was a kid. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. My band didn't know what they were doing, and we squandered that opportunity worse than kind of anything anything I've ever done since. And you just you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, and that's and that's fine. We didn't have any help. It was last minute. It was completely us in the right place at the right time. All of those things, like where you just pray for lightning to strike exactly there, it happened. And I was the most together member of that band, and even I could not figure out how to... I wasn't 100% sure of the way to to catapult that into something larger. It it turns out, in retrospect, that my ideas were better, and they probably would have worked out, because I had done that since with other bands. But what the band decided to do uh, in in the wake of that experience was the wrong thing, unfortunately. But... Nonetheless, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, and I'm not even talking like side stage. We were main stage openers. We opened for uh, Sepultura and then Danzig and then Ozzy. Those, we we were the fourth band on a four-band bill for 10 shows uh, from the East Coast and Canada. And that is just really, really something like because that was oh my god is this it is this what we're doing now like we we rented a van like nobody had a van we rented a van we put all the gear in there we didn't have merch we had tapes we didn't have cds or anything like that like we couldn't afford it you couldn't afford it back then like it was not something everybody had we didn't have representation the owner of the studio that we rehearsed with went on to be our tour manager uh because we didn't trust anybody else with the gear Supplatora felt bad for us, and they actually let us load our gear on their van, so on their truck, so we could sleep in the van. Like, you know, all that stuff. Like, we were being taught by everybody, like the production assistants. You know, whenever there was food laid out, they were like, take all that food. Like, that's what you eat the next day. Like, oh, okay, thank you. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, we learned a lot on that tour, and I think about it fondly. I, I think about it. Sadly, in a few ways, because we really could have done something really great if one person knew what they were doing. And like I said, like I feel like I had the best grasp on it, but I was just guessing because I didn't know what I was doing either. It was just a guess. I will say, um, one of the funniest parts about being on that tour is the second night. I think we were just outside D.C. Um, Ozzy and Sharon... Osborne basically summoned us to Ozzy's dressing room because he wanted to meet us. 
Like, he's that kind of guy. He actually gives a shit about the bands on his tour, especially these young, you know, teenage, 20, early 20 something band. And I have told this story before because it is one of my favorite stories in all of music. <laughs> so he summons us basically to meet, a, meet him. I, I think it was after, either after a show or way before. I honestly don't remember. Uh, <clears throat> so we all go in there. There were five of us. I was one of the, I was not singing back then. I was just a guitar player. So I'm sitting with my other guitar player, uh, and we're just talking to him and listening to him. And he was just like, he's like, yeah, I want to meet you guys. Like, you know, rock and roll, like what you guys are doing, all that other stuff. And at the time, the name of our band was was Narcotic Gypsy. That was the name of the band. Um, and it had actually caused some problems trying to get into Canada, as you can imagine. Um, but... <laughs> I'm trying not to ruin this setup because it's just such a great, great thing. Um, so we're sitting there. I'm sitting on the floor in his dressing room next to my other guitar player, and Ozzy's talking to me. He's like, that name. He's like, Narcotic Gypsy. He's like, yeah. He's like, that might cause you some problems. And then he said the single greatest thing ever. He said, I don't know if you know this, but I was in a band called Black Sabbath once. And I looked at Mike, my guitar player, and I was like, is he fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah, man. I've heard of Black Sabbath. <laughs> but he was talking about how much trouble they had had because of their name and, you know, witchcraft and dark magic and the Dark Lord and all that other stuff. And he just was talking about how much nonsense it really was. And, you know, but the name... Just to be, just to be aware of it. He didn't even say get rid of it. He said just be aware that it was coming. It was like some really nice advice from somebody that didn't need to bother with us, but he did, and it was awesome. And I've always had a very warm place in my heart for Ozzy and for Sharon and that entire band. Um, it was just, it was just a wonderful time. The guitar player on tour with him at that time was a was a dude named Joe Holmes. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't any of my favorites. No offense, Joe Holmes was a super talented guitar player. Uh, and as much as Ozzy is famous for having Randy Rhodes, uh, he's also equally famous for having Zach Wilde as his guitar player. Zach Wilde is possibly one of the greater guitar players, in my opinion, in the world today. Not only for his technical ability, but because of his sheer volume of style. And so I figured I would pick an Ozzy song for you today since you're going to be seeing an Ozzy cover band tomorrow night if you're coming to the show. And honestly, trying to pick your favorite Ozzy song is like trying to pick your favorite flavor of, I don't know, ice cream, I guess. I don't, I don't even have a good example or a good analogy. But like, I will say that the reason I picked the song that I picked is because it's Zach Wilde, who I just simply adore. And I think it might be one of my favorite recorded solos Ever. It is all heart, it is all style, it is effing awesome. And it's on the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Yeah, man, that sound means only one thing, and it's time for your weekly Craving of the Week with Craving Strange. I do not know what kind of show plans Craving, Craving Strange has for anything coming up, but I will, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Crash Transit's going to be doing a CD release show uh, next Wednesday night. It's going to be early over at KJ Farrell, so make sure if you're going to go, you get there early enough uh, and check them out. I have not seen Crash Transit. Have I seen Crash Transit? Hello. Hello. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know that I've actually ever seen the band play. I feel like that's not right. I feel like I've at least seen them acoustic. Yeah, I've definitely seen them play. All right, cool. I'm glad that, because otherwise I wouldn't know what they all look like. 
Oh, man. Yeah. Such a good show here, isn't it? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so I don't know what uh, Craving has planned, but, of course, I will let you know as soon as I know, then you will know, or at least the following Thursday you will know. But in the meantime, of course, we all know Craving Strange has a new song out. It's called I Run Away. Don't forget to listen to it on Spotify, like it, share it, and tell everybody about it so more people can like it, like you, on the box.
Yeah, man, I know what you're thinking. I wish DJ would shut up and end the show. Well, fine. You'll get your wish. All right? I was going to end it anyway. Now, hopefully you weren't thinking that. That'd be awful. But hopefully you guys will make your way over to Pat Chuck tomorrow night, and you can see Rebel 9 and Pathmaker and Osmosis and Magus Beast and Stonehenge and Carve a Path. Like, it's going to be a good show. We're going to have a fun time. We know how to do this shit. We know how to do it right. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So let's get out of here with something good, man. Let's, let's, let's get you all on your feet to end this Hard Rock Lunchbox before we do it all again next week. And uh, as often as, as, often as uh, Eminem turns out to be right lyrically, he was, he was right about this, and he was right about Will Smith, too. But that's just my opinion. See you all next week on the box.